This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy! It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists in industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black, welcome to Chicago. All right, Dynasty Podcast, and we are live here in Pilsen. Haima Black hosting uh, now in our 14th year. Oh my God. Wow. Haima, um, you've been doing the Dynasty podcast for 14 years now? As of uh, as of August, yeah. Wow. 14 years, yeah. So we are here tonight. We got a great show um, booked by Natalie Arulia. Uh, Thanks, Nat. Producer Sorry, extraordinaire. Nat. And we're starting the evening here to my left with Matthew Smith from Do Good. And we're going to talk about all about what that is. But how are you doing? I'm doing amazing. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, today, I'm like, uh, but I'm very grateful I appreciate you being here. Yeah, yeah. Any day above ground is is the way to go. Absolutely. Um, But thank you for coming up here tonight. This is our first time meeting. But Natalie recommended you as a guest. She booked you. And she was filling me in on some of your background. And it sounds like you're doing really great, very progressive work. But bring us into, I guess, how you got started with what you're doing. Like, how did your work in the creative fields and in the activist fields, like, how did this begin for you? Yeah, for sure. So... The Do Good collab is really a way for me to take a new approach at what it means to build a community of entrepreneurial and creative talent. Because over the past three years, I've been looking for a community to be a part of where there's a really strong sense of camaraderie and what I describe as a feeling of shared mission between Mm -hmm. members in the community. Unfortunately, what aligns people in any kind of business or art, visual artist or, you know, fashion, technology, all of these different communities exist for people who are trying to start their own thing. But they're siloed normally to a specific industry. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All around the city, whether you're talking about event hosting or you're talking about co-working I've spent a lot of time out of different co-working and incubator spaces around the city. You have places like 1871, which represent technology sector. You have places like M-Hub, which Mm -hmm. represent uh, manufacturing. Macy's has a fashion incubator. I didn't even know. Yeah, um, I believe Anna Hovet, who's a friend of the podcast, is involved with that, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So you have all these cool communities, but unfortunately, I think they're inhibiting themselves Uh, to creative inspiration. Do Good's approach to community is instead of aligning people through industry or the kind of work they do, it's aligning people through shared values and a sense of a shared mission where no matter what Haima or I'm working on, you could be making the Dynasty podcast, but I could, you know, be a health technology founder Mm -hmm. of us like sports injury prevention hardware startup and feel a sense of camaraderie with you because the reason we're both part of the do good community is to be on a collective mission to improve the world around us which may sound very like woo woo maybe a little airheaded no but yeah it's it's a big goal so for people who aren't familiar give us kind of like the like elevator pitch or the like short mission like like how would you describe Mm -hmm. do good at its core so somebody's like okay cool i get what this is yeah so the do good collabs mission is to align 
entrepreneurial and creative talent from deliberately interdisciplinary right. work. And then being able to align these people towards a broader mission and vision of improving the world around us collectively and, and creating a community based on that. Right now, it's actually poised to become a physical working space, mm-hmm. but it is a community beyond that. So we're going to do event hosting, the podcast that I started for it as a supporting brand to like buy people into this mission is uh, that I post every five days is a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the elevator pitch is to be a part of an ecosystem where you feel like this strong sense of togetherness, no matter what the other people in the community are working on. There's that collaborative community. Right. Absolutely. So I mean, I love that where it's like, you know, instead of like all the photographers working together, all the fashion people working together, like everybody can intersect and commingle and, and, you know, be part of each other's, like you're saying, ecosystem, right? Right. Yeah. Because when my network and experience and access to resources are fairly similar to yours, you see this time and time again where people can collaborate, but there's not a ton of creative leverage there. But let's say you're in a space where you're a fashion designer and you want to see how like 3D printing or smart glass will affect your retail space. And these kind of people are like 50 feet away, 20 feet away, or at least if you're not working alongside them physically in the co-working space we plan to launch, there's some way for you to reach out to them and you feel this established sense of trust that if we're all on the same mission together, Maybe I don't see the direct fruits of my own labor on a day-to-day basis, but because I'm contributing to a community where people are aligned in why they do what they do, Mm -hmm. then it always feels like you're making progress, which is really that feeling that I'm trying to get at. No, I think that's incredible. So there's a couple things that Do Good is doing and is working on doing. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the physical co-working space you're working on this. It's something that you have a GoFundMe started for. Like, talk about this project, putting it together. What is it going to look like? Is there a date that it's launching? Like, how did this start? Bring us into the physical space that you're hoping will or, or aiming to have as the hub destination of the physical connection of Do Good. Yeah. So, the Do Good collab, the co working space, has been put on a Temporary, I wouldn't say standstill, but we've put the launch. It was the launch date initially was October 15th. And I had a, the space that you see in the GoFundMe video is a small 15 person office that I got a really good lease deal for in 101 West Grand Avenue. So if you wow. know where like the Rainforest Cafe, the Rockstar oh, yeah. McDonald's. That's like right down there. Yeah. yeah. That's right downtown. So I got 10 out of the 13 people confirmed to fill the space that I needed. That's amazing. And uh, we were really close to launch, but a few things happened like that made me realize it might have been a little rushed for sure. And in this desperate attempt to fill the space with all the people I could find and started from there, I deprioritized what should have been my goal from the get-go, which is to have the right people. I think you bring up a really great point as an entrepreneur and just in business right now in general. There is this kind of divide between like wanting to get to the space first and then wanting to launch correctly. Right. And those two can often be at odds with each other because on the one hand, you feel like 
man, I got to get this movie out. I got to get this book written. I got to get this whatever. <laughs> like this thing has to happen right now because I don't want to fall behind. I don't want someone else to come up with this idea. I don't want this and that. But then if you get there and it's not good or you're not prepared enough, like if you're first through, but it's not a good experience for people, that's worse than getting there later. Yeah. You know? If it's kind of weird or a little bit off from the beginning, trying to like fix it afterwards is a lot more difficult. Obviously, there's always going to be problems, but like, you know, I'm touting this vision of you're going to be in a space where the other stuff that people are working on is interdisciplinary, but also really relevant right. and their resources are relevant. And if I don't think I would have been happy with myself if I set up a space knowing, not being fully confident that the people together are really, there's a lot of mutual value overlap. There was definitely going to be some here and there, but there was so much more focus on just getting, closing the people on like the monthly payments, getting them into space. There was a tight deadline and it rushed things. Physical rentals, I mean, anybody doing anything with a, with a rent, with a lease, with a mortgage, anything like that, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Like it's one thing to have a website, to have an online store. And I'm not saying I'm not discounting people who have like an Etsy or anything like that because that's also a job. And that's a, that has certainly its own set of, it's a lot of work. But when you have a physical space and you have to make that rent and you have to get people in the door and like you don't want to get evicted or this and that, like that's a whole separate level yeah. of stress. And that's, that's a really serious undertaking. <laughs> it was kind of like, crazy. You know, yeah. As it got closer and closer, you know, people are really excited at the beginning. Yay, like right. this is about to happen. And then the pressure starts to set in and people really have to make a decision. And then all of their concerns start to come to the surface. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's it's hard, man. I mean, I, I get it. Like now looking at downtown, obviously that's like, you know, River North is an expensive. Yeah. Neighborhood. Did, did you yeah. ever consider like maybe we should bring this to like, you know, Little Village or, or like Pilsen, or, or Pil right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've um, I've gotten suggestions to think about putting the space somewhere else. But if you just look at downtown is usually the best place if you want to attract like day-to-day -day working sure. environment. Yeah. Um, but obviously, like, I never want to close off any options for, like, there's no reason for me to say, no, 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 only downtown. Like, I'm always open to exploring. Sure. Yeah, this um, was just where it made sense for right mm -hmm. now. Well, I thought maybe I could tell you a little bit about what makes it unique as a physical co-working Sure, please. Space. Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at all the different, like, existing co-working spaces today, they're mostly a real estate play. It's like what you're paying for is the office space or it's access to certain amenities and resources. And I think this, like, creates a conflict from the business model and the vitality of the community where if the reason people are there is not for the community right then it creates misalignment so if you can find a way to productize the community meaning that's what you're selling and that's right. what people are joining for first and foremost like being able to vet people for that culture fit well i think that's like what they do very well like 1871 for example you know. They try, but, and I actually am a, like, Nights and Weekends member at 1871, yeah. so, I mean, I can't hate, they sold me, but uh, yeah. if you talk to a lot of different members, you'll see that the community isn't really 
on a day-to-day basis strong enough to overpower people's default inertia to just show up, do their work, and go home. Interesting. Okay. So they have lots of workshops and mentorship and all these cool resources, but on a day-to-day basis, people aren't really like talking to each other that much or collaborating that much because people are don't really even know what each other's doing. Absolutely. If everyone isn't connected and if there isn't that awareness of what your neighbor is involved with or launching or developing, sure, like that is a that's a setback or that's that's an oversight that they could mm-hmm. be doing for sure. Everything you're describing, it's incredibly ambitious and it's very impressive like In your background, did you have like formal business training or is this all kind of like self-taught, like you're learning as you go? Or like, how did you start to look at like, hey, I want to be really ambitious right out of the gate? It's mostly self-taught. Straight out of high school, went into media production as a way to pay for like personal expenses while living with my family. But Mm -hmm. I knew that from the get-go, I was looking to create a new kind of entrepreneurial community that I felt like was lacking. And so it was just years of like trying to re-articulate why I felt that way and exploring the communities that exist, talking to leadership, talking to members, trying to get all sides of the story, see what the landscape looks like. And then just like doing things like the podcast, for example, is a great Mm -hmm. way to meet new people around the city and build a network slowly over time that I wanted to just be able to surround myself with people who I really wanted to learn from. And so media production was a really cool like gateway for me to meet all of these people who now serve as like mentors and advisors. And I have all these like seasoned people with business chops that I still, you know, have a lot of room to improve on, but that are able to give me like counsel and guidance on an ongoing basis. You know, I mean, it is true. Like if you're doing a podcast, a YouTube series, a blog series, interviewing, like whatever, that is a really great way to expand your network and meet a lot of people. And suddenly you're like, oh man, I know a lot of people in this space or in this community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's impressive that you have been, again, kind of like from an early age, from a teenage age, like going after this goal. What is it that attracts you to entrepreneurship? Because I don't have to tell you, entrepreneurship is a very hard road. You know, there's a lot of people who are like, I I teach a freelancing class at Columbia. I say this every podcast, but I teach a freelancing class over at Columbia College. And like, you know, some students are like, hey, I get it. I get why freelancing is hard, but I also see the value in it. I want to freelance. And then other students are like, wow, after taking your class, like, I don't think that's for me. It seems like a lot of work. And entrepreneurship goes a step beyond that because you're not just working for various clients. You're working for yourself as your own business. So basically, why did you decide to take the hard road when there are easier options? What was it that attracted you to that? Because the easy option to me isn't necessarily the easy option when you get into your work and you're like, Entrepreneurship for me, I don't think I ever really considered myself a business person, but entrepreneurship was always a way for me to express what I feel like is intrinsically unique about myself in a way that you can also capitalize off of. Sure. Entrepreneurship gives you the freedom to like really dig to the core of what value you can provide to the world in a way that lets you uplift people and when you provide value and then you create money from that, it's a win-win for everybody. When you build a better world and make money from that, instead of using business as like a way to exploit right. people or their situations, that's why I love entrepreneurship. It gives me the freedom to figure out like, how can we create value for people and, and make our lives better together? 
No, I, I completely agree. And I, I agree with everything you just said. And it's something that like, I agree. Those are the great things about entrepreneurship. And it's just, it is also so challenging that I'm always curious why someone decides like, all right, let's go the hard road. You know, like mm-hmm. let's take, we're not going to take the escalator. We're going to climb up the mountain. But at the same time, like it's really rewarding and you right. get to be your own boss and, and it's your vision at the forefront. So I agree. Those are all, I think, huge advantages. Mm-hmm. They're good reasons to do it. And I, I think some people get into it, you know, thinking, oh, I want to be my own boss. I want to chill most of the time. But as soon as you get into oh my it, God. you're working for everybody that works for you. Right. And you uh, show me someone that like, you you know, the book, The Four Hour Work mm-hmm. Week. Right. Like it, I love Tim Ferriss, but people who get into entrepreneurship so they can relax more. It's not going to happen. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. I mean, um, so we have uh, Stephen JPEG who's going to come on the podcast next. And when you guys were first arriving before we went into the studio, before we got on the mics, uh, he remarked like, hey, I think it was him. I don't think it was you. He was like, your place is really clean. That was me. That was, the, that was you. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> I have my studio here. I have my podcast class here. So I clean for about two hours on average, every single day of the wow. week, every day of the week. Cause I never know when someone's coming over to take my podcast class to mm-hmm. book the studio. Sometimes this stuff gives me a two hour notice. Sometimes an hour notice. So about two hours of every single day, you know, I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying like, that's the reality of me being an entrepreneur is like, right, right. you know, I have to have my place look somewhat decently and professional because anyone can stop over. And I think you're right. Anyone who's thinking like, Oh, if I just work for myself as my own boss, it's way less work. It's like, no, everything about my business and the experience of somebody coming into my business is a reflection of me. Yeah, yeah. And if anything is lacking, then it's like, I didn't do my job right. Right. So if anything, it's so much harder than working nine to five, I think, where like once the work's done, you just leave for the day and it's not your problem because it's somebody else's work. Right, when you can just forget about it. But on your mind, it's always on your mind because like you said, every time somebody interacts with, whether it's your social media or you in person or anywhere that you do your work, that's their impression of your brand. And so if you look at marketing as just like getting the right people to say good things about you, you're always trying to think about how can you get the people that interact with you to just say good things about you. Sure. And, and they so- need to, like you're saying, they need to have value brought to their experience. They need to get something out of it. They need to have a return on their time. You know, nobody wants to spend time or money or drive somewhere or go be part of something or order something online and then be disappointed. Yeah. That's the worst feeling, you know? And the reason, I mean, this is just getting to like the basic tenets of capitalism, but it's like the reason people like Starbucks, they have good coffee. The reason people buy Apple computers is because they have good computers. Now, mm-hmm. somebody's going to say, well, my MacBook did this. I'm not saying it's a perfect experience a hundred billion percent of the time, but overall good products. And that's why people right. go back to them, you know, and that's just basic you know, again, capitalism 101. So something else that you have that is really interesting and, you know, of course, this is a thing I want to go to. You do a podcast. I do. Yeah. So tell me about podcast. the Do Good podcast. It's, of course, available on all of the platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, et cetera, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Do Good podcast, three words, Do Good podcast. People can look it up. Tell me about the Do Good podcast. How did this start and what are the goals? Yeah. So before getting into podcasting was doing a lot of video production and I was going around filming all of these documentary style videos of like day in the life 
entrepreneurs and creatives what it was like for them to build their brands. I assumed if I can tell enough people's stories and build that like little network effect, that that will be an audience I can tap into as I figure out what this more formal community is going to look like. Right. That was like a year and a half ago. And then I realized, whoa, podcast, I can do the same thing, but easier and get better connections faster because a video recording like day in the life video might take several weeks. Yeah. It's a big job. But you just bring someone into your podcast, have a conversation with them, get to know them and use that as a supporting brand to push the broader mission of do good. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that the whole thing is based about creating this feeling of shared mission between change makers in whatever they're working on, all of the guests that I bring on, I try really hard to shape the podcast in a way where as a listener, you feel a sense of camaraderie with the guests in their work and then collectively with the rest of the guests. And you push a broader agenda, but through everybody's individual contributions to that. No, I agree. And I think podcasting is great at, you know, and of course, like, of course, I think that, but it's like podcasting is really great about all those things. And you're right. It does foster that community and people listening are able to gain that connection and of course, come away with some knowledge as well. Like just looking at the guests you've had here, what are some of the takeaways that you have felt were really valuable for anybody who's listening? I think the biggest takeaway for me is that you can create a values-based community. It was like, can I really do this? But after each podcast again and again, whether it was with an education technology or a health technology startup founder, and then streetwear fashion designers and hip-hop producers, and them all feeling that they're contributing to the same thing, even though they're working on their individual craft, was really powerful to me that you can create a community just by getting people excited about creating a, a better world together. And then you can break those like siloed individual communities where people stick to networking in their area and suddenly people feel so much more open talking to people they might not normally uh, associate themselves with. No, 100%. I think that's right on. And I completely agree. And I think that's a great, again, kind of a great goal for this. Something that comes up, you know, in what we're talking about and in just the descriptions of the company, you talk a lot about improving the world, a better world. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that look like? What is a better world for you? Like, what would be a best case win to come out of the work that you're doing? Mm, That's a great question. I could throw some stuff out there. It does sound broad, right? It's broad and kind of vague because it's easier to break barriers in that way. You get a lot of people working on very different things to be able to relate to that. Mm -hmm. But a few things you could say are like technology, things that come out of it, like entertain people. Entertainment is a great thing in the world. Technology that improves the quality of people's lives. So better means of people being able to live healthy Mm -hmm. and improve their mental health. And a better world means easier collaboration for a force of good. Sure, absolutely. So if the education technology founder I'm talking to is able to now interact better with the Chicago public school system because they are also invested in creating a quote-unquote better world, then that is like progress 
for me. Well, and it builds. Like, all that right. good work and that goodwill builds upon itself. Right, You know, right, and then yeah. it goes forward, and then, you know, ideally that, you know, continues to snowball because... Towards a more equitable world, mm-hmm. a more kind world. I think it, even if in just a small percentage people start adopting a mindset based off this community that, like, it doesn't have to be a me versus the world mentality. It can be me for the world mentality. I like that. I think me for the world is just, yeah, that's, that's a t-shirt, but it's, that's, that's a mindset, you know? It's like, cause I do think it's easy to think like, oh, well, what has anyone done for me lately? But it's like, if you're asking yourself, like, I mean, you know, this is going back to like, kind of like, you know, ask not what you're like, but it, it really, if you're thinking like, how can I make somebody else's world better? Someone else's life better? Somebody else's experience? Like, how can I improve even just one component? Like, you know, how someone can get food or how anything like yeah, that. Yeah that's positive and we need more of that. You know, it's a step, it's better than not doing that. I think so many people walk around the world and they're in this like fighting mode where it's like me and my homies versus the world. Sure. Yeah. Me versus the world. Well, and it's easy to feel like that too. Yeah. It's very easy to feel like that because the world's like fucked up in a lot of ways. Right. But I think a great mark of progress for do good is if I can get more people to change their mentality from that to me and my homies for the world me for the world. Like, even if things seem uh, confrontational and, like, you have to fight your way to success, that fighting your way to success can also be for the benefit of a greater good. Yeah, no, 100%. Now, anyone watching, listening, anyone researching Do Good, listening to your podcast, reading about you guys, how can they get involved and who are you looking to get involved or who would be the type of, you know, artist, creative, entrepreneur, whoever, like, Basically, who should reach out to you and how can they do that? Yeah, so if you want to be a part of the actual physical co-working space and you want to work in an environment that's interdisciplinary and extremely collaborative and really like an experiment of a new way to approach co-working, definitely go to dogoodcollab.com, D-O-G-O-O-D-C-O-L-L-A-B.com. Yeah. And scroll to the bottom of the page. There's a little reach out form right there. There's a join us for the incubator that I need to update, but definitely reach out if you want to be a part of that. If you want to be a part of just coming to our um, private invite events that I'm going to launch the first one on November 20th Mm -hmm. to... Do the same thing, bring together interdisciplinary talent and see how they might be able to collaborate and start to spark some of this feeling of of camaraderie. Definitely reach out on the website if you want to be a part of that, the first Do Good Collab networking event. And if you want to tune in the pot, tune into the podcast, definitely subscribe on it's mm-hmm. on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Do Good Podcast. You can search that. So Love it, man. Any of those three things. If you want to come to an event, just go to the reach out on the website or on social media at Do Good Collab. You'll find me. You can DM me on Instagram or Facebook or uh, message me on LinkedIn. Definitely reach out. I'm look. I'd uh, be willing to talk to pretty much anyone if you're curious. I get the feeling that like you are looking for people to reach out and you're like eager to continue this conversation and broaden yes, it and expand yes, it. Yes, yeah. I love it. Um, Do Good Collab is the name of the org. Matthew Smith, man, thank you so much for coming up, man. This is for awesome. For sure, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate this. The Dynasty podcast is awesome. And again, your place is super clean, so kudos. <laughs> I do what I can, man. That, that's all I can help for is like to have a good podcast in a clean place. That's, that's the goal. Thanks, Jaime. Yeah, that's how I make the world better. Uh, thank you, man.
You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.